Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Journal podcast. This is Paula Atlas, on your host, and today is Sunday, August 11th. Before we jump into our wonderful interview with Jack Courtney today, I wanted to continue the conversation we've been having around emotions and attachments to food. I had an interesting conversation with a person I work with today, aka client. I'm trying to not use the word client since it sounds so dry. But this person, we're focusing very much on her nutrition and eating plan. And we've hit a couple of roadblocks. The reason why I'm sharing the story is because we had a very revelatory aha moment where this person is eating really well. They're nourishing their body. They're exercising. They're very versed in wellness and self-care. But there seems to be a little bit of a cycle where there's a lot of stress in their life, which in turn makes them exercise maybe a little bit too much because the exercise helps them calm their mind, which then makes them extra hungry. So they're eating more throughout the day. So we've been addressing very directly the eating and the, that portion of the program. And then in speaking of the source of stress, they realize that, you know, I like to set this example often where if you would have a nail stuck in your butt, you're not going to put a Band-Aid on top of it and take some aspirin for the pain to go away. You have to remove the nail. In this case, this person's source of stress is getting organized and a big task they have to get resolved in, in a very short amount of time. So rather than continuing to focus on what they're doing in terms of eating and movement, we have to look at the source of the stress and get that organized. So our challenge for the next chapter, when I work with people we meet weekly, is to actually address the organizational aspect of what it is they have to do. And speaking of this, they also notice that you know, the food was bringing comfort in a moment of stress and the exercise was bringing calming to the mind in this moment of stress. So it's, it, you know, for me, it, it was such a clear revelation for both of us because that those are the attachments I speak of is we know sometimes we think we're doing all the quote unquote right things. But if we don't get down to the source of why we're doing, you know, last week we spoke about the why and things, we're not going to, to be able to resolve how we eat and how we move are a manifestation of something deeper. I watched recently a documentary called Fed Up. Dr. Mark Hyman, who I hold in very high regard, recommended it, and he's actually in it. He's one of the pioneers in holistic eating and holistic nutrition. In, in this documentary, they were speaking of, in America, it is believed or it is, it's being, we're being indoctrinated to believe that having weight gain issues, the obesity epidemic, is because people don't exercise enough. When, as a matter of fact, that is not the truth. The truth is that we're eating foods that are not nourishing, that we're eating very nutrient vacant foods or non-foods that we're not nourishing our bodies and our minds and spirits how we're meant to do it because of fast food industry 
you know, you name it. You, we, we, we can spend a whole episode discussing that. But nobody wishes to have health issues. Nobody wishes to have excess body fat. Nobody wishes to not feel good in their body. You know, there's so much conversation. So there's so many interesting conversations around body positivity, which I agree, we should love our bodies regardless of shape, size, color, you name it. We, we live in a very sophisticated piece of equipment, which is our body, which is incredibly resilient because we keep doing stuff to it and it keeps giving us life. But regardless of body positivity or body love, regardless of your size, regardless of your shape, you have to be aware when your body is telling you it needs your attention. And the way the body tells us that is usually by an accumulation of fat. Fat is a layer that keeps getting, it, it, it increases in size the more we put into our body things it doesn't need or it doesn't like or it doesn't want. So, and I'm not talking about having a little, you know, meat on your bones. We're all different shapes and sizes, but you know yourself well enough or you, you need to pay attention to this, these signals I need to pay attention. We all need to pay attention because our body is so intelligent. It will let us know what it needs. So regardless of shape, size, when the body's telling you something, you have to pay attention. So you cannot out you, you cannot exercise yourself out of excess fat, out of excess excess weight gain, out of excess uh, obesity, out of health issues. Yes, exercise helps. Exercise is a tool. You cannot undereat your way out of these things because that's not the way. The way to address any type of issue regarding excess weight or excess fat is by learning how to eat for your body. Not to look like anybody else, not to compare to what anybody else is doing, but to really truly learn and understand what nourishes and feeds your body so that it can perform and continue to give you life. You know, if you think of yourself as an observer in your body, you're, you're this little sphere that lives in the center of your head. That's like how I like to describe it. And you take the place of an observer, this being that lives in this body, which is the tool to help you get do things. The brain is another tool that helps you figure things out. The brain's job is to figure things out. That's why we're thinking all the time. That is the brain's job. Your brain will never stop thinking. You can manage the types of thoughts that are happening by you know, treating yourself to meditation, to eating the right foods, to sleeping. You can calm the incessant spinning of thoughts in your head but that is your brain's job because the brain is what makes us intelligent the brain is what helps us figure things out the body is the tool is the mechanism to be able to perform and do these things so as the observer you should be paying attention to what these things need and what they're telling you if you're having a foggy brain if you're spitting out too many thoughts if you're feeling a lot of anxiety it usually has to do with how we're eating sleeping moving stress is a very general word 
Stress can mean anything. What is the source of your discomfort, I like to call it? When we're in stress, we're uncomfortable. The body is tense. There's an excess cortisol, stress hormones. There's an excess of adrenaline. On top of that, we put some coffee to keep our energy up, which fires us up. Then we can't sleep. Then to compensate for the lack of energy, we're eating sugary foods or excess carbohydrates, which if we don't burn quickly enough, the body stores as fat. Top that with foods that are not real foods, artificial sweeteners or things we find in soda and and things that are just simply not real food the body doesn't know how to digest it it stores it as, as fat so if we take the position of looking at fat not as an aesthetic thing not as a size thing but as a signal of your body telling you or telling me this is how my body tells me that I'm putting too much of something it doesn't want need or like in it then I would have to go back and dig inside and see why am I doing that? Where does this attachment come from? What is going on? You know, we tend to see food as either comfort, reward, or punishment. Sadly to say, but that's how we see it. Very rarely I ask somebody or I ask myself, what does, what does food mean? And nobody's going to say, oh, it's a form of nourishment. Oh, it's fuel for my body. Always how I keep my system rolling or going forward. We reward ourselves if we do something good. We buy, we, you know, have a good glass of wine or have a cocktail or we eat our favorite foods. Maybe if it's sweets, it, it, it brings back this feeling of well-being, maybe attached to when we were a child. Our parents would reward us if we did something good with candy or sweets or it will be a celebratory thing. You know, we've, we've talked about this before, but I just want to keep stressing the point that if we see food as nourishment and enjoy what we eat, knowing that it's going to feed our body and our cells and our system, and when our body starts giving us signals that we're not giving it what it wants or needs, we should do something about it. Not because we don't love our bodies, but actually because we do. So I'm going to leave it right there for this week. Please continue to send your questions. I love answering them. And now I would like to welcome you into my interview with Jack Courtney. She is the founder of Nearly Newlywed. And she's going to share with us how out of a personal need, she noticed there was a missing this missing link in the bridal market. So she created it and how becoming an entrepreneur at a very young age really fueled her. And after marriage and motherhood, how things shifted and she had to adjust in order to keep up with all of these different aspects of her beautiful life with her beautiful family. So just go into the interview. It's going to be a joyride. And let me know your thoughts. Leave a comment, leave a review, send me your questions. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. So here we go. Jack Courtney. Don't make nobody kill your dreams. Go for your dreams. Don't make nobody kill your dreams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Journal podcast. I'm here today with Jackie Courtney. And she is a founder and CEO of Nearly Newlywed. That for me with my Spanish accent, it's a bit of a mouthful, but <laughs> Nearly Newlywed. 
which is a company she started a while ago, I think with a very humble mission. And it's actually grown to be something new and fresh and redefining how people are going about their wedding dress and wedding planning activities. So Jackie, I would love for you to tell us who you are, how you ended up doing what you're doing and just share a bit with us about, you know, we just want to get to know you. Okay. Well, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm Jackie. I started my business, Nearly Newlywed. It is a mouthful. I constantly am like, ah, can we go back and shorten it? I started it actually in 2012 in my bedroom with just like 50 wedding dresses. We started it as a online e-commerce platform to help facilitate and also destigmatize the idea of resale and value in the wedding space for a number of reasons. I was previously a publicist. So that definitely informed some of that. Like I, we send dresses to celebrities and stuff all the time. And so then when I got engaged, I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to wear like 10 dresses and they're so expensive. And like, I'm not going to keep it. And so that, that was a huge part of, I guess, why I started it. But yeah, I started it really. I didn't anticipate or I didn't have like a business plan and sort of like see myself as an entrepreneur or anything. I just had this experience planning my own wedding and then talked to a lot of other women that had similar issues. And then I kind of just sort of started, I guess. So yeah, so we, a bunch of women sent me their wedding dresses and then suddenly we had 50 wedding dresses in our apartment. And then it just sort of was like one foot after the other. And then yeah, uh, seven years, almost will be seven in a couple weeks. We've sort of now built the platform to a community of over a million brides annually. And We've expanded into other product categories, not just pre-owned, also new, but sort of the value and transparency and I think approachability is are the core values of the brand and what I want to build. And so that's how we approach anything that we're expanding into. Designers, stores, they have to kind of support that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it so much because I, I, I'm a big fan of people who start a business based on a personal need because they understand what, what it is that they need and what they're looking for, as opposed to somebody coming up with an idea, but they're not related at all to the consumer, the product, you know, coming from fashion design. A lot of times I had to try and imagine who my customer was, but in this case, you were your own customer. So you, you served a very specific purpose and it's, it obviously there was a bigger need out there. People may, may not, may just have not been speaking about it or. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, when I talk to other people that have started businesses, I'm like, there's pros and cons to a lot of different ways to approaching it for me, you know, definitely having feeling very personally invested in it, you know, and yes, being my sort of like I was my first customer helps I think sustain you when you're building a business because it's you know it's very hard it's very long there's a lot of days you don't want to do it just like any job and so if you really care about it and believe in it and it's it's more than a business to you that helps I think on the flip side it's a challenge as the business scales and grows outside of you and as the customer changes and the business matures over time navigating, you know, as it, as it grows beyond sort of like you, you know, me, for example, and then making sure that you're adapting then to not just building it kind of for yourself. But I definitely think that was a, I'm, I'm very grateful for that because I think that that 
helped, I guess, sustain me in a lot of the difficult times. And then I think also there's an inherent authenticity to a brand or a company when someone starts it because like they, they wanted it, they believe in it. You don't have to kind of manufacture the story or something. There's sort of, it exists already. So those are, You're, it's a, it's a, it's more of a mission driven purpose than a money driven yeah. purpose, which, which I love. And I mean, you're in essence, you're kind of making some women's dreams come true because you're taking the dresses and you're resale, re, they're reselling them at a lower cost. So women that may have may think that they were not able to afford a certain dress for their special day, they now can. And then they have the option of selling it again. Right. Yeah. I mean, so for my, for me, what I ended up doing is, and another part of it is I think, you know, like I got married, I'm originally from Iowa. I got married in the Midwest. And so, but I was living in New York, I was working in fashion. And so, you know, when I'm looking at these dresses, I mean, even like, I mean, any wedding dress is more than most women spend on something you know whether you're talking about five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars i think the average dress hovers somewhere around fifteen sixteen hundred maybe right now some people are spending ten fifteen thousand i mean it's a lot of money and then on top of it if you're not able to like get and wear what you want and you're spending all this money and so what i ended up doing is i i, I found a vera wang gown that i loved it was like eight thousand dollars like no way. And so then I kind of tried to figure it out. And so we found, I found another bride in Atlanta and my mom actually flew there and bought the dress from her to make sure it was authentic. I actually, there's a few people that were selling them also on like eBay and stuff. And they were like scams. They were not either fakes. I mean, that doesn't always happen. It's much more for like the, the bigger designers. But anyway, I ended up buying it from her and she was lovely. And then I resold it to another girl and then she resold it to a girl in London. So I know that my dress was worn at least four times, which then when you also think about just the waste and the money that everyone's saving and that everyone can then, and on the designer side too, I'm like, you can make higher quality garments. You can sell more expensive pieces if they could be sort of repurposed. It's just, I think the infrastructure of the industry has to kind of continue to change to support that but yeah my biggest dream is like every woman should be able to just like like someone like you know that's up for an oscar nomination gets to do it they get to like look at the runways and be like Mm. i want to wear that dress and tell their stylist and then somebody just sends it to them so i'm like we just need to figure out how we can send everyone the dress they want to wear for free somehow i love it and i mean it's so it's and on the on the flip side and not on the flip side but parallel to that is these dresses now have such a robust story because it's a dress that went from this girl to this girl. And I mean, it's, it's a big day. I, I didn't have a wedding, a big wedding. I went to city hall okay. and got married and then we had a wedding, a dinner. We had maybe 20, 30 friends and I wore actually a bright yellow Mew Mew dress. <gasps> I looked like a doll. It was oh like a little mini thing. <laughs> I want to see the picture. Uh, I'll send you pictures, but it was, it for me, that was my, the, the fanciest I would probably look in terms of what I was wearing. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big thing. I remember a few years later flipping through, I think it was a Vogue magazine and there was th- this dress that looked like a nice, something that could be a nice bridesmaid's dress and in my mind I was like oh when I get married I'm like oh I already got married but I didn't have bridesmaids they're like ah 
Well, I, think, I mean, I, I also, you know, I don't, I think that a lot of the, I mean, I, I, I wore a second dress. I changed into like a really floofy, like bright red Carolina Herrera. Also mm-hmm. it was pre-owned and I sold it after, but yeah, whatever you choose to wear. And even if it's like, you know, casual, it's just, you want to like look and feel amazing. Even if it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a bridal quote unquote look. Mm-hmm. And that should be accessible, I think, to everybody. And then the thing that I love about the space and staying in in it is like ultimately, there people get really tied up. I think in a lot of these ideas of weddings and how much it's going to cost and what is this thing. But like ultimately, it's this unique circumstance where big or small, and that's really up to the couple, obviously. But you are bringing together the you have the opportunity to bring together all of these people in your life that love you and have been a part of your story and your partner's story and celebrate like get dressed up you know have some level of sort of decorum because we you know we live in such a casual world and then celebrate something really happy like mm-hmm. the union of two people I think that really what we need to do I mean probably is like you know maybe tone down the wedding and then continue to celebrate and invest in your relationship you know it's not it's kind of like my, my big launch this week. It's like the wedding's the same thing. Like the wedding's really just the beginning. Then you have, you know, right. so I think yeah. everyone's like, Oh, do you think what's going to happen with weddings? I'm like, well, what we need to do is like, you know, build, you know, more of a societal system where there's like more and more ways to continue to celebrate each other. You don't have to mm-hmm. wear a big white gown and have a humongous thing, but have a dinner and, you know, reaffirm sort of, the reasons that you love each other and what you've kind of gone through together. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. And maybe revisit that every few years, you know? Because- yeah, well, I keep saying, I'm like, we need to like rebrand the idea of a vow renewal because <laughs> when I think of a vow renewal, I think, I don't know, I have to be like married for like 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> or I think of something on like Real Housewives. And then I think also like what that seems so like, I don't know, like I, would feel so silly being like, I'm going to dress up and renew my vows. And like, you know, I've been married since 2011, like not that long and inviting people. But then I'm like, it would be fun. It would be great. Especially yeah. you know, after having a kid and just talking about all the things that we still love about each other. And then all the things that have changed. And I'm like, if, I mean, if you were to be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, do this thing. I'm going to have a vow renewal. I'd be like, awesome. Like, I'm gonna yeah. dress. <laughs> yeah. like we're going to be like celebrating something happy. We're going to be telling stories about the couple. So I'm like, really, there should be a lot of more of these micro celebrations. Yeah. And um, people love a celebration. I mean, people love a wedding. Mm. People love any type of gathering where you're eating and drinking and seeing people you haven't seen for a while. And this, it was like this collective uplifting energy even yeah. even if there may be drama or they may be everything so why not repeat it why do, why do you only get married once kind right. of I mean, we've yeah. been talking about we had decided a year in we're going to have the real wedding we didn't do it then we're like oh 10 years in and we didn't do it now we met, we've been married for 12 years oh and i still have the fantasy in my head and now with the kids mm. do something to bring the families together and all that stuff but Speaking of family, you seem to have a such a strong foundation in your family, and your son is so cute. He is pretty good little dancer. So, how how is it for you being a mother, a partner, and having your own own business? How how does that feel? 
you know, on good days, awesome and empowering. And I'm like, I'm doing it on, you know, a lot of days, just like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And I'm not doing any of these things as well as I wish I could or would, you know, and there's never really enough time. It was interesting, like having a business is kind of, I mean, kind of like having a kid, you know, I had the business first and then I, I had my son, Ryan, he'll be three in a couple months. But, you know, before I had him, like my business and my husband, but really my business, it was like the top, top, top priority. And then you, and you navigate that and that's already hard, you know, in your relationship. And so then when you add a child, which, you know, for me anyway, like just the magnitude of love and just like such a, it's just such a huge thing. It's just, it's, you know, it eclipses anything else that I thought was so, so, so huge. And so I think it's just kind of, you know, taking it a day at a time. I mean, I'm, I do think that having him, you know, I'd had the business for years before it's, it, there's certain things that it's made me a lot better at. So it's made me more assertive in some ways. It's made me like face, I think some of like the fears or things that I had about hold that would, you know, hold me back just because you want to be the best version of yourself for this other person because they're just amazing, you know, and you, (laughs) and so it's sort of like, you can't hide for me. It was like, you can't hide behind any of the things that you sort of do. And then it's made me much better at like prioritizing my time because there's just less of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to be, I mean, I think I don't, not even just when you have a business, I'm I, I, when I, when I talk to any woman, that's anyone that's a parent, but particularly women that are mothers, I'm like, I think, it's the hardest job. It's the most rewarding and it's incredible, but it is the hardest job. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you have a company or you're a full-time mother or, you know, you work part-time. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big thing to be a mom. It's big. And I, I mean, that was beautiful what you just shared. So thank you. You know, it's, it's our vulnerability. Our, that's another word for me. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> With my Hispanic, Spanish accent. But those are the ones that make us stronger and make us who we are. So bringing a child into your grown-up world when you may think everything is in its box. And even though things fluctuate, you know, I remember when I had my first child, you think about it. It's like, am, am I doing the right thing? What am I doing? What should I be here? Should I be there? But I have responsibilities. And I feel like there's this big guilt we always carry. My mom said, the first feeling you get when you're a new mom is guilt. I thought it would be, it's love, but then comes the guilt. Yeah. But, you know, it's, a, it's such a, it's such a, I feel it's a delicate time for a woman to transition back into her role of anything she had before mm-hmm. the child came, because we are already mothering so many people we mother our employees our partners mm-hmm. our friends you know we're nurturers and we're caretakers and when you have a woman stepping you know when you're in your masculine and you're very work focused and you're in that energy and then you bring in this overwhelming feminine energy the pendulum swings very dramatically and you have to find that middle ground again and you know i i, I was when i had my both of my children, I have to say, I was in, I was working in corporate environments. The first one was a little bit more understanding. The second one, some people not. And that's something that I found very sad is some people are very sympathetic and compassionate and understanding that when a woman just had a baby, you kind of have to give her a little space and a little room to 
reestablish herself. It's not like she's not coming back. You just got to give her a moment. But some people do not tolerate that. And I've gotten that not only from men or women specifically, but from women that also have children. But one scenario that sticks in my mind is I, I had this woman I worked with and she had a child. But she saw it almost as a weakness when you had to do things that took you away from the job. So she was very judgmental. Let's say simple, typical example. My kid is sick. Who takes a sick kid to the doctor? The mom. Like, yeah. We just do that. Yeah, we just do. <laughs> oh, but could, can your husband do it? So I'm like, lady, no. So, well, my daughter had a seizure the other day. She tells me the story. And, and I had to come to work and my husband, had, I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I mean, some people are just so, they, they maybe try, choose to disconnect themselves yeah. or feel that it's more empowering to have this shell around. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is, you know, yeah. Like a societal thing, like. Yeah, you know, it's, and I'll, certainly, like as you ascend, you know, to higher levels and companies and stuff, yeah. or in environments that are very populated, you know, by maybe you know men, this idea of being a mother and having your time and your attention and your, you know, what you care about divided in this way, you know, and sort of like the pressure to not be like, oh yeah, but like, oh yeah, I'm a mom now, but like you wouldn't even know it, right? Like, there's so yeah. much of that, I think, and so. Yeah, like how much, like what is she going through or where did that like imprint on her that then she's, I don't know. That's, that's really tough because it's like, if anything, like we need to be su supporting each other. And, you know, if we can't do that, then we're also, it's such a disservice to, you know, embracing the parts about it, about being a woman and about being a mother that make us, you know, better at our jobs and better in these other facets. And yeah. I don't know. That's tough. No, I know. it's it's tough. I mean, it's I think I'm angry so, at that. You know, like you feel. I felt sad. You can't. You know, it's almost like you feel like giving them a hug and saying it's okay. Just, yeah. just let your guard down. But you know, it's it's. I feel there's be, there's a shift in the paradigm though right now because that's that's very old school mentality. Like I worked with a lot of people in that mental mm. uh, frame uh, in that frame of mind. But actually today I spoke to this young woman and for a company where everybody works remotely, which is number one, you know, evolved step into how people are working. And she had reached out to me because they were looking to provide wellness coaching for some of their workers who have had just become new parents. And this young woman who is not a mom wanted to make sure that she was supporting these people in transitioning back to work wow. they paid both they paid the mom and the dad paid leave for 14 weeks wow and you, you come back to work and she wanted to now provide this safety net almost to these people when she hasn't even been through that and i told her i was incredible and I, at the end i said you know what i don't know you but i'm so proud of you she was going to bring this up to her boss so I don't even wow. think you about it. And I was like, there are people out there. It's, it's happening. You know, it's, we, we have to shift how things are working. We have to sort support people, not only women, men as well yeah. as human beings, yeah. especially doing these trends. I, I tend to work with a lot of people that are going through some 
form of transition, either career, parenting, relationship, or age, you know, turning 40, a lot of people turning 40. Now, what do I do? Because to your point, I love that you're using that terminology. It's a societal, there's a societal expectation through some of these translations, this is how you should be or where you should be in your life mm-hmm. at this age or in this stage of your marriage or in this stage of your career. And what I do is provide a survey, uh, provide support. Simple as that. If I would describe what I do in a nutshell is I help people li- live healthier and more fulfilled lives. And I carry you through whatever transition you're going through. And then you have a set of tools to be able to just keep going on your own because, you know, we think only children need support and we think all children only need that guidance and accountability. But as grownups, we need that. We need people like that. And it doesn't have to be just a doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Mm -hmm. You go to different people for different needs, but you know, where are these people? Like that girl is just giving a hug to all her employees. And I was, I was even, you know, regardless of what happens, I, I admire that woman for even trying to do that. So I'm really hoping her boss is receptive to it because that could be a great example for other people to follow. Yeah. I think, you know, finding ways to, yeah, kind of approach work and life in a more holistic manner. You know, we really kind of like segment our, ourselves into these, you know, your, your work self, your mom self, your friend self. And I think, you know, I, I do think it's, I mean, I, I don't, you know, now work like in a big corporate company, but if more and more can lead by that example and sort of create, I don't know, ultimately too, I think that if you do, I mean, if you support the humans that are doing the work, you're going to ultimately get a better result too. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's also good business. I mean, people have children, people go through, through things in their lives. You know, you want to invest in, you want to invest in that. You want to invest in, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I think yeah. that's great. No, it's great. And, you know, I've been, you know, when some, somehow you start listening about a certain topic or a subject and then you start reading about it and it pops up on the internet and then so, suddenly somebody, you know, yeah. and this is something that has been coming up for me a lot. And it's, I saw this whole lecture, this Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I, if anybody's a recurring listener, which I hope they are, you know, I've mentioned his name so many times because he's a big influence in my work and how I do my work. Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he's a neuroscientist who went through and he had an accident. He was told he couldn't walk. And through using his brain and eyes closed techniques, he was able to fix himself up and he has books about it. I'm not going to butcher his word by trying to describe it, but there's scientific proof that how we manage our thoughts influences how our bodies function. And, and it's a, it's, it's a factual thing. It's not a woo thing. No, it's not a I know. spiritual thing. It's a factual thing that our energy, we can, we can shift our energy. We can shift our thoughts. We can shift how we manage our emotions and have transformative effects. So he had a lecture on companies, big companies, how to get their employees to be engaged again. There's a, it's almost like there's an epidemic happening, not only in the United States, I feel like worldwide, where people are working because they have to work. So a lot of people go to these jobs, they do the job, they go home, that's it. They're not engaged. Right. So that, that, that part of themselves is not engaged in it. 
So it was a big, very robust lecture. If anybody Googles it, they'll find it online. But it's, he was speaking about that. If you have, if you're working for a company, even though it's not your own company, if you feel you have a role, a mission driven role Mm -hmm. within the company and you're tasked with success, the success of the company, because there's a, we're all working for the same mission. Yeah. It changes the dynamic as opposed to people working for a paycheck. Well, because so, you want to, I mean, in life, I mean, I feel like those are the big things, right? You want to feel that what you're doing matters. You want to feel that you're moving forward in some capacity, you know, and you want to feel that you're connected to, to something, to someone, to people. And so, you know, you have to, I think that, yeah, very successful companies and more innovative companies are doing that and that you know, like ultimately also when I talk to people actually about being the idea of being an entrepreneur and all these things, I'm like, it's really true. I think that you can be, you know, entrepreneurial in within a large company and that's what you want to facilitate and create so that yes, people can feel connected beyond just like plugging in and plugging out because they'll do better work. That's when innovation happens and creativity and also, you know, just happier it's happier to go and do something that where you feel like it matters beyond just you know working to live mm-hmm. and it goes beyond props and supplying people with external things yeah. almost you know some people are like oh we have food in the fridge like and perks and stuff yeah, yeah. yeah p- perks that's the word it's not about perk it's about having people feel that they are part of building whatever building it could be a thousand people company it could be a five people company it could be your single company when you're building something and you feel part of that but it's a rampant issue that people are not it's not and it's from it's tops down bottoms up it's not just that they one day decide you know what i'm not in it anymore how are you encouraging people how are you involving them in the decision making how are you going to, how are you making them feel important regardless of their role? It could be from yeah. an, an entry level to a mid tier to an executive. But it was funny because he had this statistic where about, you know, 80, 90% of some people that was this particular company didn't like the boss and he quote unquote, didn't like, didn't know it. Like, well, you kind of know, <laughs> got to kind of know, right? Everybody doesn't like you. But then once you know, you got to do something about it, you know, because it's a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little community that you're becoming part of, you know, so hopefully people can hear what you're saying and do something with that. If we can encourage people, even if they're in their, in their job, maybe to bring up some of these issues. Yeah, for sure. Their HR and be like, you know what? We're not feeling part, not trash talk people. It's not about no. my post is this. It's like, hey, I'm not feeling part of how can we, you know, how can we shift things around here so that everybody's more yeah. um, engaged? So Jackie, being a mom, having your own business, now launching a second chapter to your business, what are some of the things you do to stay grounded and balanced? Uh, um, <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Working on it. <laughs> Connecting with, I would say one of the most restorative things and something that I've really focused on in like the last year or so of, you know, my life is connecting with other women like you, you know, women in business, women, not women that are mothers and just kind of creating sort of this 
community, I guess, again, to, to, to your word, not necessarily, you know, women that I see all the time or, you know, even though that's an important part of it, but just connecting and feeling seen and connected with other women that are going through it and being able to like have that dialogue is, a, is something that whether it's, you know, on Instagram or in real life is something that I think really sustains me. And I, it also inspires me because like, we're kind of all just going through it. Mm-hmm. What else do I do? I don't know. I don't know. I like to watch Netflix sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess on the marriage front, I mean, it's just trying to choose. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is things are constantly changing. So when you have these like big things in your life, motherhood, a business, a marriage, you can't, there's no like perfect equitable division of time and attention. And they're kind of constantly shifting. Like, you know, when you were talking about your child was sick, it's like, okay, like these things are going to move around and that's what I'm going to focus on. And so just in general, kind of trying to be gentle with myself about that and recognizing and embracing that there isn't ever going to be like this, this, there's not gonna be a day where it's just like, Oh, I, I figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is what balance looks like you know, this is the right amount of this and this and this, like it's constantly changing. Your child's constantly changing. Your business is changing. You're changing. Yeah. I guess just being gentle with yourself and really sitting with that. I think before, not even just with motherhood, but I think that, you know, I used to and still do, but there's, there's this idea that like something is going to happen, whether it's turning a certain age or reaching a certain achievement in which you know, something is going to click and you're going to like be at this, you're going to be this person or you're going to, things are going to make sense. You know, you're going to have it, I don't know, have it kind of figured out. And that doesn't, nothing ever really happened. There are days that it happens. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of that is just really kind of working on accepting that, I guess. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do that I've been doing actually for almost two years now, is something that I, I, I wish I could remember who I'd seen it on the Ted talk about again, uh, kind of going back to your point about the power of our thoughts and our mind and how we, how we see and view things was talking about happiness and being present and saying, if you spend time practicing gratitude, like it just makes you happier, like it changes your brain. And as a person, maybe that's part of the entrepreneurial thing too, as someone that's like very driven and, you know, I'm constantly looking at what's the next thing and where am I going and how am I doing things? And so that's something I started to do it's a roundabout way, but two years ago, I started doing daily gratitude and I don't even really do it. You know, I don't do it in the same way every day or at the same time. I do try to do it in the morning and the evening, but that's really made a humongous impact. I think on just the small moments of my life. So I try to think not just, you know, not just, Oh, I'm so thankful for my health and I'm so thankful for my son and I'm so thankful for my husband, but more like I'm so thankful in the shower for like, feeling this warm water on my fingers Mm -hmm. or like right now, wow, I'm so thankful to be like having this conversation and connected to this person, you know, wow. I'm so glad to be like drinking this ginger ale. It's so like tangy and but like thinking really specifically about very small things that provide texture to your moments and your days. Mm -hmm. And I found it took a long time But now it does happen. Like I'll be sitting on the subway and there'll be a moment where I think before I was doing this, I would think, uh, that's so cramped and I'm so whatever. 
which still happens. It's not like I'm just like happy all the time. It's not like I'm like, oh, these terrible, you know, stressful experiences are amazing because I practice gratitude, but it will pop into my head. It will think like, wow, I'm, I'm really lucky to be sitting here amongst these people. And we're all sort of just crashing through life together. And so that I think is a small thing that has made sort of a big difference in my mind. That's beautiful. I, I love it. I, I, that's something I try to do every day as well is be thankful the second I open my eyes. But I like how you just described it as being very into the grain of it and almost describing back to yourself what it is because it makes you really be present. In the moment, it's not a fleeting thing. Oh, I'm, thank you. I'm thankful for this or that is, oh, I'm yeah. thankful that I have this laptop and I can't talk to her. You can never be, I mean, it's the things like that, you know, like, you know, that like, you're like, I'm so lucky that I'm, I'm healthy and that I have, you know, that all of my faculties and, but it's hard to like, like remember that all the time and like mm-hmm. live that way. And so I think, and yeah, I think when you get specific is when that's where like the biggest change happens. Cause then you really are kind of, thinking about it you know, yeah it's easy to say like I said yeah like I'm so thankful for my son which I am but even with that I try to say I've been working on it with my husband actually I ask him every night sometimes he's like oh I'm so tired I'm like come on <laughs> I'm like okay I know we're thankful for Ryan but like what is specifically today yeah. they'll be like oh like you know the way he said that word or uh-huh like how he clobs his feet when he like runs because he runs, you know, kind of funny or (laughs) what, you know? And so I think that that's a very small thing that has, and you know, you can do it anytime, anywhere. I love that. And I love that all, all your self care revolves around self compassion and kindness to the self, which we tend to not be so kind to ourselves. It's hard. You know, yeah. so I think it's so much easier to be compassionate to other people mm-hmm. than it is with yourself. We're so hard on ourselves. And so, and that's a practice. I don't think you just are. No, practice. Um, that's another thing I think just I've learned over time that a lot of these things that you think just are supposed to happen, you know, self-acceptance, gratitude, success, they're all, they all take work. Like you don't just, mm-hmm. bravery, like you don't just wake up like, fearless you know what I mean like it's it's all it's all kind of these little steps yeah practice and so I mean life life is a practice I think people focus you know getting to point a to point b and then b to c but all of the things take practice and you're absolutely right people just expect to oh I turned this age or I did this and now I'm transforming Mm -hmm. and I, I feel like that's why so many people have problems trans not problem but have a harder time transitioning because transitioning transitions are not comfortable but if you haven't if you don't have a set of tool tools or something you're practicing to keep you uplifted you know i don't think there's been a single woman on the podcast that her full list of self-care had to do with anything they did really for their body it was a lot of what you're saying meeting building community meeting other people being present say nice things to themselves is very internal what but it takes practice you have to do it every day it's not you know you don't go to the gym one day yeah. and then you're buff you there's, a, there's like a quote or something i'm and i'm not gonna write but it's it, and i have it i should know it because i actually have it like printed on my wall but it's i think it's just transformation as a process not an event 
Yeah. or something to that but it's like you know saying that like it's what you know it's not an event it's it's a it's a process it take it, these things all take time and they never you never really like like i say like i you have something big and shiny that happens or an achievement or an incredible moment in your life where you're like oh yes like this is it and that's to be celebrated no but it takes practice yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does take practice i'm gonna let you go i know you have a million things to do so please tell our listeners how they can find you and your the projects you're working on oh okay so nearly newlywed is nearly newlywed.com and you can buy and resell your it's it's everything like that you want for your wedding it's your your wedding dresses, engagement rings, gifts, jewelry. So you can find me there. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's at Nearly Newlywed. And then I'm personally at Jack Courtney. And yeah. It was so fun finally getting you down. We've both been rolling, you know. I know. I kind of, I'm like, ah. And we did, we are Instagram friends. That's how we started being friends. And now we're BFFs. But thank you so much for honoring me with your time and me too. Go get it, girl. You're you're yeah. rocking it. I I'm so proud of you. I'm gonna give you a hug next time I see you. I know. This was also amazing. I feel like the work that you're doing is 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 really incredible. For thank you. That means so much. People. Thank you so much. So it's a sisterhood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this was really soon. fun. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please visit my website, paolaatlason.live. And you can also find us on Instagram at paola.atlason. Sending you so much love and thank you.